Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thank you, Bishop. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What a privilege and honor it is to be counted among the chosen. Man, I was uh, reading a scripture this morning that reminded me that uh, we were not part of the original group. Count your blessings today. We are not from Jerusalem. We are not from Judea. We are not from Samaria. And according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, according to when the power of the Holy Ghost would come, we are part of the uttermost part of the world. So thank God for grace this morning. Amen. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, thank God. Thank God for grace. Thank God that he loved us enough to, uh, to care for us just as well. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> Read one, one verse there this morning. We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. We're going to close this thing down today, I promise you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33 says, Be not deceived. You know, there are some verses in King James' writing that when you read it initially, it just sounds confusing. Right? I think we could admit that this morning. It doesn't matter whether it's the authorized version or not or the one that we prefer. It doesn't matter. The writing sometimes is confusing. So you have to really stop and think about it. This is not one of those verses. This verse is written in his modern-day dialect as you can get be not deceived evil communication corrupt good manners that's pretty simple this morning we're going to continue our talk today on the subject of communication last week if you were here we reviewed the differences in communication between extroverts and introverts. I want to pose a few reminders this morning regarding last week's content because I think it's important. Because if you, if you misinterpret last week's content and if you misuse it, it can make your communication worse. All right, so I hope everybody's listening to me at least, at least right now. You can tune out after this. But a couple of things I want you to take away from last week that are very, very important. It was a very, very high-level review. There's a lot more depth to personality type preference than what we have time to cover. I want you to be more concerned with assessing yourself than trying to assess someone else. Because I'm telling you right now, trying to assess someone else is dangerous. And if you're not qualified or trained to do so, you're only going to get yourself in trouble. 
It's also considered unethical to tell someone else what they are, only they can decide, even if you think they're wrong. You cannot interpret someone else's type preference of personality based on their behavior. All right, I've heard these statements just within the last few days, people kind of laughing, and I know they were joking and it was all innocent and fun. They were kind of joking around at someone who was claiming to be an introvert whenever they're, they don't seem to act like the typical way that we think an introvert should act. You cannot judge based on behavior alone. Because under the right conditions, you can have an extrovert who is the most shy person in the room. And you can have an introvert who is the loudest, most obnoxious person in the room, and they can actually be an introvert. All right? So please be careful. And lastly, you are not who you are because of your parents. You're not an introvert because of your parents. You're not an extrovert because of your parents. You are unique. You may have genetic traits, but genetic variabilities is only one, one small piece. So you are who you are because God made you. That's the point. All right? So, so please, please take recognition of that and, and don't make life more difficult for yourself by trying to diagnose someone else. All right? Uh, I want this to help you, not, not get you in a, a, a pan of hot water. Today, I want to talk about the Bible's take on the effects of negative communication. <clears throat> communication is very simply, by definition, the imparting or interchange of thoughts, opinions, or information by speech, writing, or signs. And with the word signs, we could interpret signs not only just as literal signs that you read, but signs could also be body language, signs, evidence of some form of communication. Last week, I made note of the fact that an introvert will typically turn an idea over and over in his or her head until they've crafted it and honed it well enough to feel comfortable to take it from their internal world to the external world for everyone else to hear. This leads an introvert to often think, now here's where, where we have a gap a lot of times. This leads an introvert to think they've communicated something that they haven't said. All right? Because it's so loud in here. Surely he heard it. I, 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 now, I'm not an introvert, but I'm going to play one for just a second, all right? I'm going to try my best. It's, it's going to be tough. But I, if I'm an introvert and I'm, I'm trying to communicate to Bishop and he's not, then I am, I am going to, more than likely, I'm going to turn that thing over my head as much as I can before I say it. And then whenever I finally say it, odds are, now this is not a guarantee, there's no statistics to say that 100% of every introvert acts this way, just a majority, this is a generality. In most cases, I have, I have heard that Bishop so loud in my head that by the time I get ready to say it to him, he don't even hear it the way that I said it in my head. But I'm walking away knowing, Brother Bob, I'm walking away thinking, I told him. I communicated. And I'm proud because I just said what I, what I had on my mind. And he could be walking away confused, thinking, well, what was that about? They just told me uh, half of something. Where's the rest of it? 
And I don't even know that I left out half of it because it was so loud in my head, in my internal world, that I didn't get it out the way that I needed to. That's why last week I made reference to introverts, whomever you are, do your best to say it until you can't feel like you can't say it anymore. Because odds are you haven't communicated it the way that you should. Because it's just in your DNA. It's just in your hardwiring. Now, what I want to do today for just a moment is I want to try to connect the dots from our natural behavior to our spiritual behavior. And I want, with the help of the Lord this morning, to, to not only just look at spiritual and biblical behavior, but let's start with our personality as it relates to our worship behavior. Because we all know that when we come to the house of the Lord, what are we supposed to do? We're here to worship. An apostolic church is not a place where that we, we get here and we tell everybody, now everybody hush. Everybody be quiet. And I'm not making fun of anybody that does, but this is not an environment where we do that because we see no Bible for that. We see Bible that allows us to freely approach the presence of the Lord in worship, whether that is with a hand clap, whether that is with a foot stomp, or with a hand raise, or with my lips open speaking to God. We just sang a song that is recorded out of the book of Isaiah talking about Him purging and cleansing my lips before the throne of God. Why? Because He's holy. So the holy, holier our God is, or the holier we perceive Him to be, the freer I ought to be when I come into His house to worship Him, not only in spirit, not only in truth, but in a way that is suitable to my life. Now what that means is, and I'm going to pick on extroverts first this morning because I am one and I feel like I can do it. There's, there's, there's nothing holding us back. Right? If, now let me just ask a question this morning. And if you're gutsy enough to raise your hand, that's fine. God bless you. And if not, that's fine too. But how many, is there anybody here this morning that has ever looked at Bishop and thought, man, I wish I could worship as free as he does? Thank, thank you for your honesty. Are any of you, do any of you feel a little bit more introverted than you do extroverted? A couple of head nods. Let me explain something to you. He is free because of who he is. All right, I'm, I'm, and the Lord knows my heart in this this morning. I'm not taking away from repentance, baptism, in Jesus' name of the Holy Ghost because I know that can change anybody's life. All right? And that can, that can take an introvert that stands in the corner of the room and put him behind a pulpit to preach the Word of God. I've seen it. My brother is one. I've seen him go from the back of the room to the pulpit to preach before all because of the power of the Holy Ghost. All right, so I'm not taking anything away from that this morning. But just in a very natural sense this morning, lay salvation plan aside, lay church aside. Bishop, as a man created by God, is just who he is. And he is, you know, we've heard it said before, Bishop who he is when he walks in the bank. He's whistling. It don't matter where he's at, he's got a smile on his face. Why? Because that, that's in his hard wiring. That's who he is. All right? Everybody with me so far? The reason why some of us don't feel as free as he does is because we're not him. And we're going to get there, all right? He's unique. Daniel Wright's unique. Aaron Brown's unique. 
Samantha Whitney's unique. Every person in this room is unique in and of themselves. So lesson number one today is stop judging your day 40 by someone else's year 32. You're not going to get where Bishop is in a hop, skip, and a jump. You're going to get where he is after walking the road he's walked. Well, I just disappointed somebody this morning because I didn't give you a magic formula to get there. Extroverts, more often than not, now there are reasons why that they will not behave this way. I don't have time to get into that. But in a very general, healthy sense this morning, extroverts will more generally be free and they will be expressive and they will express themselves more often than not loudly or openly, not quietly. It's not in here. It's external, extrovert. That's, that's where the root comes from. It's external. I am guilty, all right? I am guilty of thinking out loud. It can be the Achilles heel of the extrovert, but I love it. It's fun. Uh, but I have to watch myself because not everybody around me appreciates that art very much. But I like to think out loud because I think there's no bad idea. And I don't care if you laugh or not because I take no offense to it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about bad ideas. It don't matter. People who process on the internal environment, they aren't free enough to do that. Now let's connect the dots to our worship. How many times have you thought your worship, you had it mapped out in here? But you couldn't get it out. It's not because something's wrong with you. Trick number one of the enemy, you can't worship because you're lost. How many times have you ever had the devil lie to you? Right? He's not going to tell you anything that's good. Extroverts are free and expressive. If that is true, introverts in worship, I want to challenge you today. If you think you're an introvert, if you know you're an introvert, or even if you're not sure, I want to challenge you today. That if it's true that when you think you've communicated that you haven't yet, it could also be true that when you think you've worshipped, you may not have been as expressive as you thought you were. And I'm not declaring that this morning as a judgment. I'm declaring that as a challenge today. If, if the challenge in the natural world is to make sure that you're over-communicating, then the challenge in the spiritual world would be, let's over-worship. Let's make sure God's hearing you. Because the reality is, this is a safe place. And the more free and expressive you can see introverts in their natural environment is when they get into an environment where they're free to be themselves. I'm telling you this morning. Pastor, I could say this this morning, and I say this as a reflection of him being a part of my family, not just my pastor. But I get the privilege, and I count it a privilege, I get the privilege of seeing him in a way that most of you don't. I know people who know pastor who's... who's who would never imagine that he can be 
as expressive and as funny and as comical as he can be. Some of you see it occasionally because it'll slip out occasionally in teaching and preaching, but you haven't seen the tip of the iceberg yet. Let me tell you when he is the most expressive, when he's with family, when he's with an environment of people where he's free to be himself, true to just who he is. Some of you this morning are in the same environment because you see he's also an introvert. Don't mistake the public appearance of preaching and misinterpret that. He likes to get his quiet time and his internal world processed before it ever comes out. But what he has learned, and this is what I'm trying to impart to you this morning, what he has learned by comparison is if you were to monitor his worship behavior, you would never classify him as an introvert just by his worship alone. Because he has learned that the presence of God is a safe place. That the house of God is a place where I'm free to be me. I don't have to worry about being judged. I don't have to worry about being ridiculed. I'm in a place where I can open up. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost now. I'm in a place right now in the presence of the house of God that I can be expressive even though I might naturally not do that. Oh, hallelujah. So when it comes to communicating this morning, we're not just talking about the natural world. When I come into this wonderful house of God every service, I want to make sure I am communicating with God on the level that He needs me to communicate with. I not only want to hear God, but I want God to hear me. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Now, the excuse of the introvert might be, well, he knows the thoughts and intents of my heart. True. I'll give you that one. But I'll also counter with another scripture that says you have not. You can finish it for me. Because you ask not. Asking is what? Communication. Asking is verbalizing what's in here. Asking is taking what's on the internal world, bringing it to the external, and actually being free enough to express it. Amen. Did you ever, have you ever listened to preaching or teaching and think to yourself, that's good. I'm not talking about this morning, but just in general. Have you ever been listening to pastor preach and think to yourself, wow, that's great. Have you ever said that in your mind? What would happen this morning if you said it out loud? Some of you probably think you do. All right? I'm just connecting the dots from the natural world to the spiritual world this morning. Some of us possibly think we worship deeper than we do. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be judgmental this morning, but I just kind of want to hold a mirror reflection up and let us decide for ourselves if it's true or not. But it's possible that it's louder on the inside than it is on the outside. 
And my challenge to you this morning, saints of God, is let's take what's on the inside and be expressive with it on the outside. Because that provides a holy connection between you and the man of God and God. It's important. What would happen if you would take that response from your internal world to the external world? Sometimes we just need to declare it. Sometimes my neighbor needs to hear that I agree. Sometimes I just need to hear out loud that I agree. Because I may not like it, but I may know that I agree. Sometimes I just, I just need to make sure that my enemy hears me. Maybe I'm struggling. Maybe, I'm, maybe my health is poor. Maybe my finances are poor. Maybe life just, I just don't have good peace right now. But if I'm, if I'm connecting with the Word of God, I need to take that from inside my mind and I need to put it out loud. That way my enemy knows where I stand. There are several, <coughs> excuse me, there are several ways to communicate. Words spoken communicates words not spoken communicate sometimes what you don't say speaks louder than what you do say words written eyes communicate whether it's with a, a raised brow Or a loving glance. Wasn't it David that said, Be not taken with her eyes? The eyes communicate. The eyes can speak when nothing else does. Body language. Body language is so loud sometimes it's deafening. A word doesn't need to be smoke spoken, but the message was received loud and clear. Facial expression communicates. And a very important one that cannot be overlooked this morning that communicates very loudly and that is your example. Who you are when no one but God is watching and who you are when everybody else is watching communicates loud and clear. Because you see, it doesn't matter what you say if what you live is in, con is in contrast to what you say, people aren't going to buy that. So your example, whether it's good or bad, your example communicates to those that are around you. I, I recently, I read a quote just a day or so ago that was very good, and, and it made me ponder deeply on the subject content. It reads this way, there are two ways to build the biggest building in town. One, build the biggest building in town. Or two, tear down all the other buildings around you. Okay. On the surface, it makes sense. Even a little comical. But let's take it a little bit deeper and peel a layer of the onion off. Some people spend more time trying to tear everybody around them down to their level. Rather than trying to build themselves up to a new and better level. Amen. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good 
manners. Put that up there if you would, Brother Zach. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Don't, don't be caught off guard by it. Understand clearly today that if we don't speak the right thing, that it will corrupt. You want to know why this world is corrupt as it is? Aside from the fact that it, it's prophecy being revealed? It's because our communication is corrupt. And we've got a society that's deceived into thinking they can say whatever they want to, when they want to, to whomever they want to, and that it's okay. The Bible doesn't support that. Jesus said, love your enemy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Hebrews 13 and verse number 16 this morning says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. My, my, my. It's a sacrifice to communicate this morning. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was e let, let me put it this way. If communication was easy, the divorce rate would not be 55%. The last statistic I heard, now, I recently heard that 86% of all statistics are made up on the spot. You'll get that after lunch. But the last real statistic that I heard was that even in the apostolic church, divorce rates were climbing high, high as up to 50%. There's not, a, not much of a gap between the apostolic church and the world of divorce rate. Not only is that sad, but that tells us that, that communication is ultimately important. You cannot downplay the importance of your worship because the more you learn how to communicate with God, I'm telling you right now, the better you'll communicate with your spouse. Right? Bishops taught it for years that you cannot love until you know the love of God. Well, I'll declare to you this morning a step further that you can't even talk right until you know how to talk to Him. We've got to get that mastered. If I could talk to Him in worship, if I could talk to Him in prayer, if I could talk to Him in my daily devotion, then it's going to set my heart right to be able to talk with my spouse just a little bit better. Hallelujah. But to do good. I think He's stressing that emphasis this morning because not all communication is good. So he's telling us that we've got to link the two. To do good and to communicate, forget not. Because it's easy to forget. For such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want to point out the placement of this verse this morning. Because I think it's important. It's between two very specific points of references in the Word of God. We're going to back up a verse, Brother, Brother Zach, to Hebrews 13 and verse number 15. It says, By him... Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Everybody shout praise. praise. To God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. What is the process of giving thanks to His name? 
not a trick question, but you just failed the pop quiz. I'll answer it for you. Communication. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks. All right? Next verse, we just read it. We'll read it again. But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Verse 17. Obey. Somebody shout obey. Obey. It's a tough word in the 21st century. I do apologize. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that, the grief... For that is unprofitable for you. Now, what I want to point out this morning is that if you don't think communication is important, I want you to look at it carefully here in Hebrews chapter 13. Because communication is sandwiched right in the middle between praise and obedience. That's not an accident today. Praise will put you in position for goodness. Goodness will improve your communication. And communication will lead you to obedience. If you're having a problem with obedience this morning, you've got a communication issue. Amen. If you're having difficulty this morning obeying the Word of God, then you're not communicating with Him clearly. And if you're not communicating with him willingly and clearly, there's a praise problem. You see how it's all interlinked? Just another reason. I, I, I realize we, we may sound like we harp on it, and, and I don't really think that's the case because the Bible's chock full of it from cover to cover. Praise and worship is important. You cannot survive in your walk with God. Let me, ref let me repeat that again this morning. You cannot survive in your walk with God if you do not praise the Lord. Your fuel tank will run out. What happens when it unfolds in our life? I come to church. I have a powerful connection with God. My fuel tank, if we can use the analogy this morning, is fuel. He's topped it off. I'm feeling powerful. I've got miles to go. And then I go, and I run out of fuel, and I'm not talking to Him. I'm not refueling. I'm not praising. I'm not doing anything. What happens in the natural world is what I was excited about, I'm no longer excited about. Coming to church used to be, whoo, let's do it. And now I'm lucky if I come once every six months. I've stopped talking to God. I've stopped worshiping God. I've stopped praising God. And now all of a sudden I'm not obeying His Word. Because all three are interlinked together. You cannot remove one from the other. Praise is connected to my communication to God. And communication is directly linked to my obedience. It's a sacrifice to do good. It's not easy. Let me tell you what is easy. Being bad. Just, just, just think about it for a second. It's natural. You, you watch a two or three year old. There's certain things, certain behaviors that they have. You don't have to teach them. It's almost like it's automatic. 
bad attitude personified. Alex never had the terrible twos. I was a naive parent for the first time. When he was two years old, we used to brag about it. Oh, he's never had the terrible twos. He's a good boy. That's my boy. No terrible twos for my son. Life is good. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me when he turned three. His timing was just bad. He set me up good on that one. Brother Pat, now his mamma and papa might disagree with this because I think mamma and papas are supposed to. But when he was three years old, I couldn't whip that boy enough. I didn't teach him that behavior. He woke up with it. And I think he went to bed with it. He was communicating something. But there was no praise and obedience involved with it. I can guarantee you that. We didn't have to teach him those, 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 those things to do. He just did them. Being bad is easy. For every one of us. It takes no discipline to speak your mind. I'm taking my time because I want it to soak in before I move on to the next thing, all right? I'm being intentional about this, so don't anybody get uncomfortable. It takes no discipline to say the wrong thing. Because we've got it mapped out in our brain already. We know how to give a head full. Let the mood strike just right. Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Saying what you want to say, when you want to say it, how you want to say it, whoever you want to say it. That's the easy thing. You let the mood strike you right, it's easy. It, it, it is hard to refrain. You don't have to admit it this morning. I know I'm right. I've experienced it and I've watched it. It's the easy thing. It's a sacrifice to do good. It takes zero discipline. Hear me this morning. I stress this today because the apostolic church, we should be the kindest people on the face of the planet. And I don't really see a guest here this morning. So I'll, I'll say this. And to our podcast audience, you're just hearing a reflection of what I think is reality and what is true. I watch apostolic people. And sometimes I think our conduct and our behavior, it can be, can be, not always, but can be some of the most embarrassing Having Holy Ghost and talking in tongues doesn't give us a license to be rude. I don't care if the waitress did mess up. They're going to go back and spit on your food in the kitchen you keep talking like that. Amen. Takes zero discipline to be rude. It takes zero maturity to be rude. Anybody can be rude. 
What it takes is a child of God that knows praise, communication, and obedience to say, I know what I'm about to say is, I know I'm right, but it's not the right thing to say, so I'm not going to say it. You want power? Our world is power hungry. You want power? Know what to say and keep your mouth closed. That's the ultimate power. Everybody around you don't have to know that you know. You know. And you had enough discipline and authority of yourself to say, not say anything. That's power. Evil communication will corrupt good manners. So well, what I'm about to say is not evil. If it's not promoting good, it's promoting evil. There is no gray area in the Word of God. We've got to remove ourselves from 21st century thinking occasionally and understand there is no middle road. In the Word of God, there is right and wrong, heaven or hell. There is no middle area where you can just ride the line and jump on whichever side you want to be on in the, in the moment. You either are or you're not. So I want to compare and contrast two verses of Scripture real quick. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse number 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. You've heard it before. And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it might not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Jumping over to New Testament writ now, John 11 and 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been in the been dead for four days. I want you to take these two verses of Scripture as model examples of communication because they're both communicating something. One communicated faith. He asked God for his blessings and God granted to him that which he requested. Jabez was not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. challenge you to look and see if you can find the name Jabez written anywhere outside of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. For all practical purposes this morning, Jabez was a nobody. In, 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 the, hall, in the hall of fame of, of Bible characters, you're, you're probably not going to see a movie written about him. There's books written about him just because of that prayer. But if, if those books hadn't been written, it's possible we wouldn't even be talking about him today. Jabez was a no-name, nobody. His name appears in just a couple of verses, and he's gone. He prays a prayer, God blesses him with the answer, and he's gone. You don't hear from Jabez again. But yet, what Jabez had to say promoted faith. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me. Why did Jabez want a blessing? Because Jabez knew before I can pour out, I've got to pour in. You're no good to anybody else until you first take in the Word of God. You're not healthy to witness to someone else until you've first been witnessed to. I've got to take in from the Spirit and the presence of God, and then I get to freely I have received. As Jesus told His disciples, freely give. You've got to receive first. Martha communicated doubt. 
What's the use, Lord? He's been dead for four days. He stinks. All Jesus needed when he said, roll away the stone. All Jesus needed was for someone to just quietly go over and roll away the stone. But now we've got loudmouth Martha who's speaking her mind, who has no discipline, who's just saying why she's speaking from an emotional response. What good is it? Dead. She's communicating doubt, resistance. You can't come into the presence of the Lord and be blessed while you're saying no at the same time. I knew an evangelist one time that was praying in the altar. He walks up to this boy standing in the altar and he says, Son, you want the Holy Ghost? He said, Well, I really don't know yet. He said, Okay. You get what you want. One communicated faith, one communicated doubt. So my question this morning, and I'm coming to a close today, is what are you communicating? And are you communicating as effectively as you think you are, as positively as you think you are, at home, at work, with your spouse, with your children, in your worship, in your prayer? One of the 12 disciples communicated more through his actions than he did his words. Be careful now. His name was Judas. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. You're still communicating. Be careful what you're communicating. There are times in life that communicating alone is not enough. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, Paul writes and says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We will never see demonstration until we learn to first start talking about it. And we can't afford to wait on our demonstration until it's me and mine and my four walls that's in trouble. We've got to develop a compassion for souls that is deeper than just my household. Negative communication is demoralizing. It's faithless. It's powerless. It's loveless. It's demanding. It's criticizing. We need demonstration of power and spirit today that consumes how we walk, how we talk, how we live, how we praise. My praise should change based on my understanding of communicating with Him. It should deepen my praise with Him. So I want to close today with talking about the importance of guarding your tongue because it's directly connected to your ability to succeed in communication. James 1.26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. The bridling is the discipline. 
knowing when to talk and when not to talk. By whatever means you're communicating, James 3, 5 says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Verse number 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. Why do you think the Holy Ghost is so important? The tongue can no man tame. God can. No man can tame it. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I have seen people before that just their appearance initially seemed to be one thing, but when they opened their mouth, Lord have mercy, completely changed the image of that person. Proverbs 26 and 28 says, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. People are funny. I can remember as a child growing up in a pastor's home, there was a particular lady in my dad's church that we always knew when she was gossiping. Always knew, Bishop, when she had been running her mouth because the next service we come to, she couldn't say enough good about you. <laughs> she'd, bring, <coughs> she'd bring, and it was the best, the best homemade red velvet cake I've ever eaten in my life. As a kid, I was thinking, all right, this is good stuff. I enjoyed the cake. How we got the cake was a shame. A flattering mouth worketh ruin. Proverbs 21 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth. Now, now we're, we're, we're flipping the roles here. Now we're looking at what we should do. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Most relational drama is created by poor communication. You want to get out of some of the trouble you're causing for yourself, first of all, you've got to understand you're causing it for yourself. But after you understand that, you want to get out of some of that trouble and some of that drama, keep your mouth and your tongue. Amen. Philippians 2 and verse number 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess. That's communication. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Brother Zach, if you'd put that final last slide up for me, please. <coughs> Three things I want to close with this morning. Related to the topic of discretion and discipline. We're talking about communication today. It's three things that are vitally important. This is in your natural life because there's nothing you can't take to God in prayer. Amen? Let me rephrase that. There's nothing that you should feel like you can't take to God in prayer. 
If you're not willing to pray about it, then maybe you've got your answer already. That's a different topic. Three things. What to share, who to share it with, and when to share it. All three extremely important disciplines to follow when it comes to proper communication. You want to cut gossip and drama out of your life? Look at these three things. What, it, what, what is it that I, I want to share? How much of what I know needs to be shared? Because just because, you know, I know that this is, this is maybe tough this morning and it's contrary to modern day thinking, but just because you know it doesn't mean everybody else has to hear it. So how much do I share? Maybe it's none. Who do I share it with? Is the audience I'm about to speak to, whether it's an audience of one or of many, are they the right people to hear what I'm about to say? Now I'm about to say something. I say it with all the love that I can, but I need to say it because you need to understand it. Sometimes we declare that there are certain family members in our life that we talk about everything. You shouldn't. It's possible to gossip to your family. Just because they're blood related doesn't mean they need to hear what you've got to say. I don't care if it's your parents, your siblings, your children. Just because they're related doesn't mean that they have a free, open highway of communication to hear everything you know. My son's 18 years old, and there's times that his mother and I will still look at him and say, will you leave the room? Because what we're about to talk about is none of his business. And if I want to teach him to be the right man, then I've got to teach him what discretion and discipline looks like. And I'm telling you this morning, who you share information with is important. Who you let share information with you is also equally just as important. And thirdly, when to share it. Is now the right time? If I've got something sensitive to share with someone or to talk with someone about, obviously, a glaring obvious one would be standing behind this pulpit and having that conversation with them is not the right place and time. Right? That was pretty obvious. In a room full of people or a carload of people, probably not the right time. Most things that are, that are this sensitive and serious are best left to one-on-one. -on -one. But we have to consciously ask ourselves, when is the right time? Just because if, if I know it right now and I'm itching to talk about it right now and I just can't wait and I'm just beside myself, you know what? My desire is to gossip rather than to help. Because if my, if my spirit and intentions is to truly help that person, I'll be willing to be patient and wait for the right time. What to share, who to share it with, when to share it.
discretion and discipline. It's a lost art in the 21st century because everything gets plastered on social media. Let me tell you, everything's not everybody's business. And just because you're in a foul mood doesn't mean you need to share it with the rest of the world. Sometimes we need to grow up and understand discipline. That uh, may be a little harsh this morning, forgive me, but there, there's things that we need to understand today that just because the world is getting softer doesn't mean life does. And if you want to communicate effectively and right and keep your family intact and your home intact, sometimes that means that we have to grow and mature and change. I saw an interesting cartoon graphic this week. I almost, I almost prepared it just to show you, but... Uh, I, I didn't, but I'll tell you about it. It was, it was a man standing up behind a, a lectern or a podium, and he said, Who, who wants change? And everybody raised their hand. And, and you know, that, that, that word is kind of subjective to interpretation. They could have thought change was pocket change. Maybe they thought it was money. I don't know, but who wants change? Yeah, I want change. Everybody in the audience raised their hand. Then the next graphic said, Who wants to change? No one raised their hand. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. Let me tell you what. The person in the mirror, in the majority of cases, the person in the mirror is the one who needs to change. Stand with me this morning. Communication. We're done. I won't be coming back next week. I'll be here. I won't be coming back with this topic next week. Not to be misunderstood. Just because you think it doesn't make you right. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. We need to make sure that we're communicating the right thing at the right time in the right way. And let me level the playing field here for you in case there's anything you've not understood clearly. If you will get your praise to Him right, if you will communicate to him right, and if you will obey his word, a lot of these other things that are going wrong in your life will solve themselves. Hebrews 13, those three, I'm telling you, they are so interlinked this morning, I can't even stress how powerful that is. Praise, communicate, and obey. And somewhere along the way, let's have some discretion and discipline with it. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.